you've got to get a good work-life balance. And, and what, that's one of the things that we've always promoted as well at Marshall White is, you know, you don't live to work, you work to live. So make sure that you do have a good balance. And it's not all about working seven days a week and knocking yourself out. You've got to be incredibly balanced. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Hey, hey, everyone. It's Sam here. In today's episode, we're joined by a very special guest. With over four decades of experience, he has been instrumental in transforming Melbourne-based agency Marshall White into a market leader. Known for his dynamic approach and commitment to mentorship, He's not only set records in auctioneering, but has also been the guiding force for many top performers in the industry. Recently, he wrote an opinion piece for us about the housing crisis, not just highlighting the issues, but also offering actionable solutions. And as a keen supporter of various charitable causes and with a passion that extends beyond just property, he's truly, truly made an indelible mark on our industry. So welcome to the show, John Bongiorno. Sam, thanks very much for that intro. And just before we do kick off, I do have to say that it's not just all about me at Marshall White and building up a a successful brand. It's about so many other people. And I've been so fortunate in my career to have had incredible partners in the business, you know, particularly one that, that started with me all those years ago. In fact, 30 years ago for the Marshall White journey, when it was a, a company of 12 people, and that was my best friend. And partner, still partner, James Connell and director of Marshall White, actually chairman of our company. So there have been a lot of other people that have made the success of the group. Well, certainly in the time that I've spent in Elite Agent, particularly in the last 10 years, because we're about to tick over 10 years, I think, towards the end of the year, I still remember as Marshall White as a brand that everyone wanted to be a part of. And I remember a young and up-and-coming agent that everyone knows now by the name of Marcus Kiminello. I was, I was, I talked to James Tosterman, who I have such a great deal of respect for, and he said, everyone thinks I'm good, but wait till you see what Marcus can do And 10 years on. One of the things that I have learned about you in my research for this interview is that you are kind of one of the quiet people that, you know, mentors these top performers like Marcus, Kate Strickland, people like that. Can you share a bit of your philosophy behind how you mentor these amazing people into the agents that they've become today? Look, again, you know, just a couple of the names there that you've mentioned, you know, Kate and James Tostevin and Marcus. Um, we had our awards night, our Marshall White Awards night last Saturday, and one of the awards was the Rising Star Award. And Marcus reminded, you know, the 400-odd people that were there that, he won that award only 18 years ago as the rising star of Marshall White. So you look at his career, and again, for you know any of the young people listening to this little chat, you know you can do anything with with your career. It's entirely up to you. I suppose one of the things that we've always recognised in our business that we're privileged to have 
people want to come and work with us. You know, it's not the other way around that we give people a job and we think that they're the lucky ones. We are really the lucky ones. And, and again, when you mention those names and, you know, and I think I've got now 40 partners in the business or 40 odd partners in the business and, you know, directors and associate directors and just so lucky to um, have great people around us. And I think that that's one of the things that James Connell and himself have always uh, recognised that, you know, that we're humbled and privileged. And I said that at the awards night on Saturday night that we're always humbled and privileged that people want to come and work with us. So over the last 40 years, obviously yourself and James have built something incredible. Can you share maybe a pivotal moment or a decision that you think really impacted the company's trajectory? Look, real estate business is a pretty straightforward business. I think that a lot of people can really overcomplicate it. But again, having been in the business for so long, everything's pretty much the same. It's basically you list and you sell and you list and you sell and, and so it goes on. But it's always just making sure that you give above and beyond the best possible service to your clients and you recognise that, you know, look, again, for me now being in the industry with the longevity that I've had, you know, for me, work's not work, it's more actually socialising. I'm lucky enough to, you know, people call me and just say, hey, you know, Jack, come around and sell the family house or sell my mum's house or, you know, help me one of the kids buy a house or whatever the case may be. And you never sort of belittle, you know, how lucky we are and how privileged we are to be in the business that we're in, which is an incredible business. We actually get paid to look after people's greatest assets. And that's one thing that you should never forget. It is a privilege to be entrusted to sell somebody's greatest asset, their home or their investment property or whatever the case is. So just give great service and just make sure that, as I said, you don't overcomplicate your business. Is that what you think is the secret that sets Marshall White apart from some of the other large boutique agencies in Victoria? Look, I always focus on what's right at Marshall White. I don't, you know, look, obviously I look at our competitors and we've got some amazing competitors in our marketplace and I've got the utmost respect for our competitors and I think that you should always respect your competitors because we're all in the same industry. So that's one thing I'd definitely say to any principals listening or any agents even listening to this, that always have respect for your competitors. We're in this together and there's a lot of good brands, but look, we try to focus obviously on making Marshall White the best company we possibly can, whether it be, you know, in sales, in property management, administration, marketing, any part of the business. And that's one of the things that we've always tried to do with all of our people is make our people better, try to give our people the tools whether it be a James Tostin or a Marcus Canello or any of the great people in the organisation, just try to assist them being better people and being better at what they do. And, you know, and again, Marshall White, we're 10 offices, but we always say that we're one company and we are one company and we're, you know, one family. As you said to me, Sam, at the start, people call me the godfather. Well, you know, we do like to treat our people like family, young and old. Yeah, I think one of the highlights, I guess, of my time at Elite Agent has been the opportunity to interview several of them, including Kate Strickland, who we had on our cover. And funnily enough, she taught me something that you taught her. And so, you know, maybe this Godfather title is well earned because it's a lesson I've actually taken with me over the years since we talked about it. And that's about 
feedback. And, you know, you just mentioned making your people better. And one of the things that she said is that she takes on all feedback, good and bad, and that you taught her that it was okay to take bad feedback because if someone didn't care, then they wouldn't give you the feedback in the first place. You know, I want to thank you for that lesson, actually, delivered via her to me, because, you know, like it's something that I always think about regularly as well. Is that something that more leaders need to be mindful of? Yeah, look, I think, again, you've got to be careful as to how you deliver the feedback that you're not putting people down, that you're encouraging people to become, as I said, better and try to help them with the implementation of whatever advice that you're giving them. And it's a little bit like, you know, with our young people nowadays, you know, we really do focus at, at Marshall White and a lot of our, all the companies do, you know, focus on learning and development and how to, um, as I said, become better. But it's about making sure that the implementation is done. You know, Michael Sheargold, who's been an incredible coach of ours for a long part of our journey, and I often say, you know, Michael Sheargold's been the cement in between the bricks at Marshall White because over the years he's, you know, when directors have disagreed or, you know, we don't always agree with each other and James Connell and I don't always agree with each other, but Michael's always facilitated, you know, great respect for each other. But with learning development, we've always just made sure that people do implement the learnings and then we follow up on what they're doing or what they're changing. But Michael's great saying was, um, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So, you know, if you do go to ARIC or you go to one of the great conferences, it's not just about going there and, you know, having a good party, which Eric is fantastic at, and meeting great people, but it's also what you take out of it later on and what you are, how you change your business or how you change what you're doing. So for leaders in the business, again, just monitoring their people and making sure that everybody is on track and if they're off track, we'll jump in there and help them out. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I wanted to sort of talk to you about today is the article that you wrote about that current housing crisis, which is still super topical. And you mentioned that Australia is one of the luckiest countries, but still we have a problem here. So can you tell us from your point of view a little bit about what you think has led to this situation? I'm not going to get political and I'm not going to bag any governments or whatever the case may be, but, but we've just got to understand that all of this is about supply. And even, you know, I think in yesterday's announcement by the federal government, Anthony Albanese kept talking about it's all about supply. And it is just about supply. And we don't have enough supply. And I think that, you know, look, possibly we've gotten to this situation. Um, There haven't been a lot of great incentives for investors to come to the market. But again, in what I wrote, I did say that it's a collaboration between all governments, federal, state, Governments getting together, councils getting together, developers, private investors getting together. You know, we've really got to get together. It's not just for the federal government to try to come up with a solution. It's not just for, you know, the Victorian state government to come up with their solution. Everybody's got to get together and we've really just got to park all political differences because, you know, we do live in, as I said, I think the greatest country on earth. And when you walk around, you know, whether it be Sydney or Melbourne and you see people in the street, that are homeless or you hear about people that are sleeping in their cars or, you know, down the beach, you know, we just shouldn't have that. We just shouldn't have that situation. Everybody should have a roof over their heads and they should feel safe. And 
I just don't think all the political powers at the moment are coming together to try to really figure out the right solution of supply. Everybody's trying to come up with their own little ideas, et cetera. But it is, at the end of the day, as I said, all about supply. You know, we just have to provide a lot more housing. Yeah, I mean, the collaboration aspect is really an important one because even in the real estate industry, you've got different states that there will net institutes and things like that yeah. that have different legislation. And I mean, real estate is just a really hard industry to get everyone on the same page. Absolutely. Have you seen or heard of anything overseas that might be a good kind of model that we could look towards? Well, you know, again, that's maybe one of the things that we should, you know, have a look towards. When you look at Japan, for example, or Singapore, I mean, you know, those sort of countries just don't have the issues that we've got. And we should learn from you know, nations that have got it right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with replicating something that's worked. But again, it should be a bipartisan approach. You know, all political parties and everybody should come together and really solve this because I only see the situation getting a heck of a lot worse. I mean, I don't even think we've even touched the surface when it comes to homelessness and what's going to happen in the next couple of years. I think given, you know, the cost of living pressures and everything else, yeah, well, certainly here in Victoria, we can see the solutions that I wrote, by the way, Sam, we went on a conference together, the domain group and, and a number of the agencies around Australia, you know, we sat down together and we nutted out a, a few of the ideas that we came up with, but I'd love to see some sort of a forum. I'd love to see, you know, Canberra come up with, you know, let's get together, let's have a forum with, as I said, with state leaders, council representatives or whatever you know, private investor developers, property council, whatever the case may be, but let's get together and come up with real solutions as quickly as possible because even what was announced yesterday is still going to take a couple of years and we've got a net immigration growth target, I think, at the moment of 400,000 people per annum coming into the country. We've got to put them somewhere, let alone, you know, the people that are living here already somewhere. Yeah, from everyone I've talked to over the last couple of years about this, it took us a long time to get here. So it's not going to, you know, obviously things aren't going to resolve themselves really quickly. That's but yeah, I thought it, some we, of We your... do have to cut through the red tape. You know, God, we've got to cut through the red tape as quickly as we can because that's yeah. one of the big issues too. There's just too much red tape. Yeah. You did just mention the cost of living issues and things like that that we're all experiencing at the moment. I mean, yeah. I have a mortgage and for the first time, my mortgage payments went up 12 times in, you know, a very short space of time versus if I was renting, I would have had one rental increase maybe. How do you right. see the next couple of months playing out from a macro perspective in Australia? I'm sure you're following that whole scenario very closely. Are things going to get worse before they get better? At the moment, you know, we, we seem to be swimming against the tide. You know, the property market is certainly in Melbourne. And even when I look at the clearance rates, you know, in Sydney at the weekend, we're super strong. Our, our clearance rates were incredibly strong at the weekend. And, and again, as I said, I think that we've been swimming against the tide given the amount of rate rises that we have had. But I think that the supply situation of properties coming onto the market. I think we are going to see in the second quarter of this, this financial year that I was forecasting, I think that we will see more supply. We're already seeing more properties come onto the market. We've you know, got 
a good healthy number of properties booked uh, to come onto the market, you know, September, October, November as a group. So I think that, you know, buyers will get more choices. But on the same token, when you counterbalance it with immigration and the growth in the population that we're experiencing, you know, the market seems to be absorbing whatever supply comes on and prices are obviously dictated too by supply and demand. And the demand is probably just outweighing supply. And I see it, you know, moving forward till the end of the year and probably the first quarter of next year is remaining, you know, fairly neutral or strong. Yeah. So let's go back to leadership because sure. we've talked a bit about some of the superstars that you've mentored. And I guess what people listening would probably love to hear from you is a bit of actionable advice. So my question is, what is the most common piece of advice that you give to people starting out in the real estate industry? Firstly, to all the young people that are listening, use paper. Write things down for starters. If you're listening to this and you're trying to pick up points or you're trying to learn something, actually write it down because the retention rate of writing something down as opposed to just listening is vastly different. You know, just yesterday morning, we had a session here at the office and we had a fantastic session. It was run by three of our directors, Desiree Wickham, Stuart Evans and James Tosterman. And again, you know, what was coming out of that, the gems that were coming out of that, the gems of learning that were coming out of that were just absolutely sensational. And a couple of the young people walked past me and after they'd listened to it, and I listened to the whole hour session, which I loved. And again, you know, that's one of the great things about our group, our, our fantastic people give, and they're always giving back to the people within the organisation. And I asked a couple of the young people, I said, what were the things that you wrote down? And, you know, a couple of people, just, you know, written down a couple of tiny little points. When the session was on, I said, you know, I hope that you're taking copious notes during the presentation. So the first and most important lesson I give to young people, when you do have the opportunity to sit down, you know, whether it be at a training session, you know, Eric, Rise, whatever the case is, take a pen, a pen, you know, those good old-fashioned things that we used to write with or a pencil and take some paper and write all the things down. You know, putting it into your computer is one thing or onto your, your iPad is one thing, but I think that the retention rate is vastly better if you do jot it down and then um, and then afterwards you can go back and you can cross things out. I've been using a paper diary to everybody's displeasure for 40 years and it works really well, Sam. Yeah, Jane, you use paper and, and write things down. But then, as I said earlier on in this chat, implementation, you look at the, you know, the great operators and they're very disciplined. What's changed in their careers going from, you know, good to great is discipline and time management is obviously crucial. As I said, the servicing levels that good people give, they're absolutely incredible. I think that, you know, you look back on the old days of what people used to do and how they do their work now and, and they go above and beyond. I think it's great, the service of a lot of that. Uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of times in these podcasts, you know, when I talk to people, they say that they learned more from failures or things going wrong than things going right. So I thought I might ask you, you've conducted over 4,000 auctions and you've established price records all over the place. So I was just wondering if you could share like a memorable auction story 
where things didn't go quite as planned, but you managed to turn it around and maybe what you learned from it? Uh, look, not everything goes right. You know, none of us are perfect. So again, to anyone listening, yeah, I can promise you that things don't always go right. Look, the good auctions to largely, I always blame the salesperson, that the auction doesn't go right. I'm just joking. <laughs> look, the big thing I'd say to auctioneers out there too and, and to the sales team or the salespeople is, Saturday is showtime. And one of the things that I am a little bit intolerant of, you know, being the age that I am, and I've said this to a lot of our young people over the years, you know, Saturday's showtime. Don't go out and have a big Friday night. Don't go out, don't turn up to work on a Saturday morning, you know, hungover or disheveled. Gay Waterhouse, who's been a great mate of mine, and she spoke to the team over. Uh, during COVID, you know, always said to our people, always overdress, don't underdress. You know, sometimes I see, you know, some of the young guys or whatever, they might be a little bit disheveled, they might have a little bit of stubble or whatever the case is. I always say, look, look your best because you've got to have a universal appeal. It's not about looking cool for the 20-year-olds or the 30-year-olds or whatever the case is. You know, your brand is you. So make sure that you always look your best and to the, you know, young men and Young women always look your best, always be at your best. I think it's important that, you know, you start the day right. I think that you've got to get a good work-life balance. And and that's one of the things that we've always promoted as well at Marshall White is, you know, you don't live to work, you know, you work to live. So make sure that you do have a good balance. And it's not all about working seven days a week and knocking yourself out. You've got to be incredibly balanced in this business because it is stressful. As I said, you're looking after people's greatest assets. And that's why you've got to be sharp. I think that if you go out and, you know, you party on a Friday night or whatever the case is and have a late one and you're not going to be at your best on a Saturday and you should be at your best, particularly, uh, you know, when it's showtime, come the weekend or come an auction, whatever the case may be. So the funny auctions, we've, we've had some hilarious auctions over the years. God, you know, I remember one time at the halftime break, somebody was holding the highest bid and and I said, well, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I'll just pop inside and have a chat with the vendors. And the person whose bid it was walked inside with me and wanted to know what was going on. So, look, you have all sorts of moments and you get people yelling out things. But, you know, enjoy it, you know, just having fun. I mean, how much fun is it to get up there and do an auction and get people engaged and get everybody engaged within the, in the crowd? Yeah, absolutely. You've written a children's books, I hear, called Santa and his brother down under, with profits going to the Koala Kids Foundation. What inspired you to write the book and what made you choose that foundation? I did that about nearly 20 years ago now, and and the Marshall White team are always great. They always get behind it. It's a generic Christmas book that we roll out every Christmas at open for inspections and, and auctions, and the sales team, you know, give it away as a gift, you know, when you have a family pop through a property and they've got young children, they give it out as a little gift for coming along to the property and our property management team. So look, what inspired me, I suppose, I've got four children, three boys and a girl that I dearly love. And, you know, at the time I thought I'll do something, I'll write a children's book. So all the kids' names are in the book. And actually, Sam, I'll give you the scoop where um, we're looking to convert it into a movie. So it's with the script writers at the moment. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's amazing. So a nice animated feature or? Yeah, an animated movie, and that's what we're aiming towards. The Koala Kids, I've got it up there behind me, actually, that little cap up there. I'm, I'm an ambassador for the Koala Kids Foundation, and 
they raised money for kids oncology and leukemia unit and the children's hospital. And I was lucky enough to do the Cancer Foundation auction at Crown Casino last Friday week that raised $2.9 million. So that was a great philanthropic lunch here in Melbourne. And, you know, the generosity of Melbournians was incredible. I've had a couple of friends whose children have had cancer, in fact, and survived. But when you see them go through what they go through and you get the trauma that they go through and when you visit the hospital, which I've done a few times, it's just heartbreaking and it's just a dreadful sickness. And, you know, the more we can do to help out, particularly for children, you know, again, being a parent, every parent listening, you know, recognise whenever one of your kids gets sick, you feel sick. Yeah, it's a great organisation. They do a lot of great work for the kids and the families and everybody going through it. And that's one of the big things as well that we always promote here at Marshall White, as, as I said, one of the things about the group, I think we've got a great family culture within our business and our, all of our people, you know, give back. You know, not just me, I just some of the work that our people do for uh, charitable organisations and what I see people around me do, I'm just so proud of. And as I was saying earlier on, you know, we're privileged to be in the industry that we're in and we're just so lucky. I mean, this is an incredible business where you can, you know, make as much as you want to make depending on how hard you work or whatever the case may be. But I think we've also got a responsibility to give back to the community that support us so much and have done so over the years so much. So that's one thing everybody should do is jump back into it. If you're not part of some community charity or group or whatever the case is, get involved in the community. You know, whatever you give, I'm sure you'll get back. Well, you're involved in quite a lot of charities, as I understand, everything from very special kids to MND to the Australian Prostate Cancer Centre. Like there's a lot of things that you just quietly do for these people. And you just mentioned that it's good for real estate agents to get involved in something. How do you choose what to get involved in? How do you figure that out? It's usually friends that reach out to me. So, you know, just friends reach out. We've got an interesting one coming up shortly. I think we've got to get waxed. It's uh, anyway, I'll talk about that. That's probably put off, put off all the listeners. I'll chop the thing up. But anyway, um, no, it's usually just generally friends that ask me to get involved. You know, the very special kids. You know, hospice up here, which is just around the corner from our office. That's a palliative care unit, which, you know, no child should be part of. And again, when you go there, it breaks your heart and you see the kids that sadly go through that and the families that go through that. But that's involved in cycling. So I like to do a lot of bike riding. I'm a bit of an avid bike, one of those old men that get out on the bike at the weekends and stuff in midweek. And that couples up bike riding with raising funds for. As I said, an amazing organisation with very special kids. Yeah, I saw the cycling actually. Has Steve Carroll hasn't hit you up to go to Thailand yet? No, I to saw that cycle. event. Yeah, <laughs> you can't fit everything in, Sam. <laughs> Try to fit in as much as I can. And that is one of the things too. I think that, you know, get out there and fit as much as you can into your life because, you know, it goes in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Well, outside of real estate, I saw that you enjoy cycling and you're also a Collingwood supporter. Is it their year this year? Well, sadly, at the moment, we've got a lot of injuries. I just saw that we've got a game against Brisbane tomorrow night. And we've got a couple of key players out to go in Hill. And, you know, we've got our captain out, Moore, and also one of the Dacos boys. And 
it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be an interesting finals. And you look at the success that Collingwood's had and what an amazing culture they've got at that club now. You know, that's such a great family atmosphere. And, you know, I was lucky enough to go to one of the games this year and get inside the rooms afterwards. And it's just all about family. And that's like our business, I suppose. You know, take a great interest in all of your people. And that's what Colin would have done. And I think that's one of the reasons they've had great success on and off the field. Yeah, I think what you've described there is a bit of a metaphor for the market, isn't it? Is it Collingwood's year? I mean, I think they're on the top of the table. I'm more of an NRL girl than an AFL girl, but that's because I sort of grew up north. But, you know, you might be thinking about all the injuries and as a real estate agent, you might be thinking about the market and interest rates and things like that. Just pretend you're my mindset coach for a moment. How do I push past that and get the ball through the post regardless of what else is going on? Well, that's just noise in the background. You know, the interest rate, you know, one of the good things is turn off a lot of the news. Again, just focus on what you're doing. There's always going to be bad news or there's always going to be something on the horizon. You've just got to block out all those distractions and not worry about them. And as I said, we are so lucky. So just wake up every day and make the most of it and get out there and enjoy what we do. You know, you're meeting people, as I said, for me, it's just socialising. You're getting out there, you're meeting great people every day. I haven't met you before, Sam, and it's lovely meeting you today. So it's fantastic. Oh, it's an honour to have a chat with you. And I guess I've got one more, or two more questions, actually. So I've asked you a lot of questions today about a lot of things, about your leadership style, about your hobbies, all sorts of things. But what's one question that people don't ask you that they should? How many horses do I own? (laughs) That's one of my other hobbies. I love to race horses. Everybody does ask me how many horses. I've only got a couple. But no, what are the questions that people ask or don't ask? What should you ask them? Somebody asked me this morning at breakfast, if I could do it all again, would you do it the same way or would you have changed anything? I said, no, I wouldn't change a second. Again, I've been so fortunate, you know, to have met my original business partner in James Connell, a friend from school, and we've worked together for not just at Marshall White for 30 years, but also before that, we've worked together for over 40 years. And then, as I've said, you know, we've had some incredible business partners that have come in and best friends and we work together. But what would I have changed? The only thing I probably would have liked to have done is Sell real estate in New York. I said at breakfast this morning, if I could have a parallel life, I would have loved to have been a real estate agent in Manhattan. I think that'd be incredibly exciting. That's a good question and a good answer, I would say. It'd be amazing to be in Manhattan selling real estate. But I pinch myself every day as to where we are and where I sit, Sam. So, you know, as to how lucky the journey's been and how lucky, you know, I've been. So I think any of the Marshall White team that are listening for being part of our team because I love them all and to the listeners, if you ever want any advice, you're free to give me a buzz anytime. I think I'm pretty sure some people will take you up on that. But I feel very lucky having been able to spend half an hour with you, just having a chat to you because I see and hear so much knowledge that sits with you, wisdom, 40 years worth of wisdom. So thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. If there was one thing that you'd like people to remember or take away from the chat that we've had today, what would it be? As I probably said, just be genuine. Service people, be yourself. It's a great industry and always work with integrity. 
because that's what it's all about. Great advice, John Bongiorno. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joinaliteagent.com.